Good morning and greetings from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I want to say thanks to all of you who listen to the Chipotle podcast and offer encouragement, and to those of you who listen to the Chipotle podcast and voice their criticism. Both are necessary for this podcast to be successful. And both voices are necessary for young democracies such as ours, if we wish to con- for our nation to be successful and continue to flourish. I uh, want to say uh, thank you to uh, all of you who voiced their concern on my gallbladder surgery. Uh, compared to some of the serious things health-wise and the alarming number of deaths going on with our people, it was nothing. Uh, I'm always looking for in uh, ideas to discuss in this podcast as well as individuals come on and express themselves. Uh, the podcast gets stale if we don't have fresh voices come on and voice their concerns or share new ideas. Now, we have over 7,800 Ho-Chunks in our nation living in almost every every state of the Union. Um, some of those include super, super young children uh, all the way up to super elders. But... Um, Got a sizable chunk in the middle, and I think uh, a lot of you have something to say, and I'd love to hear it. I want to say uh, Maine is the only state we don't have any ho chunks living in. I was looking at that uh, population breakdown that the tribe sent out. Well, then you just toss in all the ho chunks living overseas and down in Central and South America, and we definitely have a. Uh, people who have uh, quite a bit to talk about and share. Uh, I'm quite interested in talking to members of our administration, judiciary, legislature, and people who work for the Ho-Chunk Nation in whatever capacity. We can do an interview. We can talk off, off the record. You know, in the end, all we want to do is move our nation forward and be able to help our members do whatever it is they want to do. And we can only do that if we can talk and help each other. Um... Uh, to get in touch with the podcast is simple enough, though. Uh, we can be reached here at uh, moneykakseek at gmail.com. That's M-A-N-I-K-A-K-S-I-K. Or through our various social media sites. There's the Chipotle Facebook page, LinkedIn, Twitter, and, of course, Instagram. I thought about TikTok, but, uh, man, I have a problem creating content with the sites I'm working with now. So we'll just uh, leave it at that for now, huh? During the last primary election, some of our candidates ran on the promise of creating jobs and industry if they won a legislative seat, an admirable, admirable goal in and of itself. I was totally opposed to uh, every one of those candidates, not because of who they were or what they stood for. No, I was opposed because that is not what a legislator is supposed to do, well, at least in my eyes and at least in the con- according to the Constitution. No, my understanding of the way our, ho- our government works is that our government creates and sets ideal conditions for enterprises to establish themselves. And once established, these enterprises thrive because the conditions that our government has set are conducive to successful business operations. Um, now that the election is uh, far in our rearview mirror, the question I ask is this. Where are all those people with the business ideas? Why is it that you're only going to share your idea with the nation if you were elected? If you have a quality business idea, you can still pursue the idea with the nation. 
Just because you're not a legislature doesn't mean you can't bring your idea to fruition. Your hands aren't going to be on the lever of power. But if your business, if your business idea has merit, you should pursuing it. You should be pursuing it for yourself and the nation. The Ho Chunk Nation has an economic development department and a business department. So write up a business plan and present it to one of these departments. If it was worthy enough for you to tease us while you were running, it's damn sure viable enough for you to present it to uh, professionals. One of the reasons people don't share their ideas, unfortunately, is that uh, that one of one idea of theirs could be all they have. They are banking on that become uh, idea becoming the next big thing. But they are insecure about sharing it because they lack the knowledge or ambition to bring it to light. So it dies with them. Or they see someone else pull the trigger on their idea or something similar and they become bitter or resign to their fate. And or the idea they had was garbage. And no one wanted to be rude and explain that to them. The Ho-Chunk Nation does need people with vision though. We need people to throw up their idea throw their ideas up against the wall and see what sticks. Not be afraid that someone else will steal their idea or tell them that their idea stinks on ice. You have to believe in your idea with some sense of conviction, enough to convince yourself and others of its merit. You just don't have an idea on Tuesday and Wednesday you're waking up in your dream house on Maui. Nah, nine times out of ten, you got to grind to see success. How many people are going to grind day in and day out for your dream? One way to realize your dream is the entrepreneurial route, of which I see a number of Ho-Chunks have taken, and I applaud all of you. I mean, that's a challenge to start your own business, and like I said, you got to grind. The whole idea behind starting a business is simple. You see a problem, you create a solution to that problem. Or you can create an entirely new industry like Steve Jobs, Henry Ford, or Elon Musk. Okay, you've heard enough of me preaching on the possibilities. Let's get to the meat of this diatribe. Decades ago, I ran for office and I shared my business ideas. They weren't very good ideas, and I had done very little research on them. And so naturally, I was crushed at the ballot box. I was also opposed to 80-20 and said so publicly. In retrospect, that really wasn't a brilliant political move. But, eh, I was idealistic at that time. One of the raging ideas floating around our planet right now is renewable energy, namely solar energy. I think we all know the benefits. Supply of sunlight is endless. Price is almost nil. Well, after buying the equipment and installation. And your carbon footprint is virtually non-existent. Fantastic. We all know this. And we should be looking to put these panels on all our homes where Ho-Chunks resides. And spaces. Ho-Chunk owned buildings, open spaces, and creating solar farms to help offset the use of fossil fuels. We even have a Ho-Chunk legislature pushing the idea of solar energy because a friend of his is in the business, and together, they know a little bit about uh, something about the industry. Now, what do we know about the life cycle of solar panels, though? What is their lifespan? What happens to solar panels when their usefulness is over? Now, the idea I'm presenting is simple. Create a Ho-Chunk solar panel recycling facility. Now, only about 10% of solar panels are recycled annually in the U.S. Bloomberg has estimated that around 26,000 tons of PV panels will end up as waste this year. That number is going to grow into the millions of tons as waves of panels reach the end of their lifespan in the 2030s. 
Now, that little tidbit of information was written two years ago, before the Ukrainian invasion, which has sparked a resurgence in the cause for renewable energy, of which solar is a major component. Now, diverting solar uh, waste from landfills saves space, but capturing the value, it helps in capturing the value of the raw materials. Crystalline silicone solar technology represents most of the solar panel market share today. Many of the components can be recycled. Glass composes most of the weight of a solar panel, about 75%, and glass recycling is already a well-established industry. Other materials that are easily recyclable include the aluminum frame, copper wire, plastic junction box. Other materials located within the solar cells may be a tad bit more difficult to recycle. Silver and internal copper are valuable components, but panels typically contain very small amounts of these materials. Now, toxic materials, I mean, metals like lead and cadmium are also present in solar panels. Solar panels may contain critical materials including aluminum, tin, tellurium, tellurium, boy, I screwed that up, and antimony, as well as gallium and indium, as well as some in uh, some of those uh, thin film modules. Now, an ideal recycling system would recover as much material from these solar panels as possible. There are different methods to recycle solar panels, which can include some or all of the following three steps. Removal of the front frame and junction box, separation of the glass and the silicone wafer through thermal, mechanical, and or chemical processes, separation and purification of the silicone cells and specialty metals, e.g. silver, tin, lead, copper, gallium, through chemical and electrical techniques. Now, in the south of France, the town of Rousset, Rousseau? No, Rousset, has a solar recycling facility designed to reclaim waste into a resource. The French company, Violia, has developed a process that disassembles and separates the materials from a solar panel. The breakdown is 65 to 70 percent of glass, 10 percent of plastic, and then silicone and metals, with a 95 percent separation success rates. Okay, out of the four criteria we consider for every call for tender we make, technical quality, cost, environmental quality, and social and solidarity economy, Veolia got the first of each of them. Now that was the president uh, or the CEO of PV Cycle France, Nicolas Dufresne. Now, Go on YouTube and type in solar panel recycling. Scroll to you see world premiere in recycling photo photovoltaic panels, Veolia slash, and watch the video. It's only three minutes long. The thing is that this video is three years old already. How has the technology moved forward since then? Now, of course, there are other processes, and we would have to look at all of them to find out which one works best for us and which one is economically feasible. We are looking at creating a facility that will be handling hazardous materials. That means getting an okay by the federal, state, and county governments. Then you have to buy machinery and a building. Then you have to get people to ship solar panels to your facility. That means unloading trucks and storing materials. Then once you have disassembled and reclaimed the materials, you have to get customers to sell you reclaimed materials too. Maintenance, if your sorter breaks down, can you fix it? Are parts available in the states? Or do you have to get it from overseas? Who's going to work in this facility? And what is going to, the pay going to be? You have to offer insurance as well. as workman's comp. 
Because sure as I'm talking here, somebody's getting hurt and we'll be looking for a payday. Which brings us to the business aspect. Having an idea is one thing, but bringing it to the Ho-Chunk Nation is another. Remember, this is your baby, and nobody else gives a crap about it. The people in charge are savoring their second cup of coffee when you toss this monstrosity onto their desk. It is now your job to sell it to the Ho-Chunk Nation. Before you present, all these questions have to be answered. Yeah, it's a drawback and a giant pain in the butt, but it's not the end of the world. Remember, the Ho-Chunk Nation has an economic development department and a business department. Their job is to create jobs and industries for the nation. If you bring a well-thought-out and written proposal, they just might jump on board and help. How many Ho-Chunks are presenting plans in front of them? As far as I know, we are starving for ideas to generate income. If your plan has merit and you do the homework and you make a quality presentation, the idea that you've nurtured in your mind for so long could become a Ho-Chunk enterprise. Could. Let's just, okay, make sure we understand that. But even if the Ho-Chunk Nation turns you down, it's not the end of the world. And if you truly believe in your idea, there are other avenues of financing. Is a solar panel, solar panel recycling facility my dream? Eh, not really. I think the idea has merit, and I'll definitely do the research and find out a couple of things. Number one, who else is doing it? Are they doing it in Wisconsin? Is it a profitable business? Is this a growth industry? Is this industry ground floor? Or is the market saturated already? If the answers are positive, I will definitely write a proposal to the nation's economic and business departments. As far as I know now, the only new businesses we are working on at the present is the Beloit Casino and the Lacrosse Project. That is as far as I know now. The Economic Development Group and the Business Department could be pursuing a hundred different ideas I don't know. In my ignorance and haste, I didn't bother to ask anybody. Well, this is one of the ideas that is kicking around in my melon. So, let's run it up the flagpole and see who salutes. Let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Remember, we are the creators of our future. And if our children see us constantly trying to innovate and create and build, that'll be them when, they grow, when they're adults. In the end, what I'm saying is all of you people who ran for office with ideas to help the nation with new business ideas, bring them forth and lay them out there for us. It's not just former candidates. Every single Ho-Chunk, share your ideas. Perhaps you aren't able to bring your idea to fruition. Perhaps someone else can. You've got to remember, a win for the nation is a win for all of us. I'm hearing things um, that the Ho-Chunk Nation legislature may be contemplating the idea of eliminating cannabis from the list of controlled substances that the nation tests its employees for. While to my knowledge, they haven't yet uh, made amendments to the drug policy, it is nevertheless progress if they are contemplating this. Now, while I don't condone or support the use of this drug, Maybe it's just because I'm old, or it's my personality, an addictive one. So, But it's plain that uh, my conservative views on this matter are becoming increasingly in a minority in this country. 18 states have legalized recreational marijuana. 39 states have legalized medicinal marijuana use. Uh, 
And even the right-wing GOP here in Wisconsin is reportedly leaning into a discussion on uh, legalizing medicinal marijuana. Meanwhile, here in the Ho-Chunk Nation, our own government is reportedly considering the removal of cannabis from the drug list. In this day and age of nationwide staff shortages that include said shortages of our life to lifeblood enterprises, the casinos, the legislature should be taking a serious look at how we may augment casino staffing levels. While they are at it, they also need to cut unnecessary costs to the nation by eliminating regular random drug testing of employees. Lifting cannabis from the list of substances for which the nation tests employees will not open the floodgates for druggies waiting in the wings for a place to work while they can arrive to work high. I would guess that most marijuana users partake of their activity after work, and if they do arrive to work under, uh, <laughs> they work, come to work high, and it's detectable or even reasonably suspicious, the legislature could include a provision in their amended policy to have an employee in this condition tested. If they're found to be under the influence, they can be dealt with accordingly. A major consideration in this decision, aside from the staffing shortages at the existing casinos, is the Beloit Casino. Now, if the plans are still to build a facility that employs 12 to 1,400 people, where are they going to find the workers? Rockford would be would uh, be presumably already up and running by the time the Beloit Casino is built, and they will have already drawn a consider considerable number of employees in an already thin job market. Now, Illinois has already legalized recreational marijuana in their state, and there is a marijuana dispensary in South Beloit, a mere stone's throw from where the nation plans to build a casino. Now, if the nation continues to crack down on marijuana users, an already thin pool of potential employees could be made even thinner. As for the critics who would argue that relaxing on cannabis would have the uh, nation violate the Drug-Free Workplace Act of 88, thus potentially compromising various grants the nation receives, this is easily flexible, fixable. The Act simply states that there must be a policy in place that addresses the Drug-Free Workplace Act. Policy changes could be amended to require drug tests after accidents. Voila, the nation has a Drug-Free Workplace policy in place. Aside from this easy solution, the nation's casinos do not receive grant funding, so there is no concern there. The, legis the legislature should also eliminate random drug testing at the casinos. This is a costly, unnecessary, and impractical endeavor. It would not be all that difficult to audit the program in order to ascertain the amount of money that has been spent on this practice for the past 20-plus years. I'm sure there's data to discover how many employees the nation has lost due to marijuana offenses. What has this accomplished? Is the nation on some wayward crusade to end all drug use? Who are we trying to impress? The feds could, care, could not care any less about the nation's success or failure. The nation only hurts itself when it unnecessarily whittles its staffing numbers down. If any substance use or abuse is negatively affecting job performance, that is a management issue. And if on-site use is detected, it would be up to management to appropriately address the matter. If the legislatures are worried about potential backlash from constituents, all they have to do is refer back to the Supreme—I mean, to the September 2015 General Council meeting, where 63% of the tribal members present 
voted to legalize marijuana on nation's lands. That general council had around 1,600 tribal members when that vote was taken. Particularly where it concerns tribal members, how is terminating employee for marijuana use helpful? I've already covered the issue of how legislators seem to think their jobs are to be social workers. From an outsider's perspective, it would appear, his, it would appear historically that their policies have leaned into individual tribal members' concerns, oftentimes seemingly at the expense of the businesses. I have never seen any doctrine that clearly states that the nation's businesses are in existence to maximize revenues for the program to help its people. An outsider's perspective would lead one to believe that casinos are oftentimes just a jobs program for Ho-Chunk people. This would miss the point of earning as much revenue as possible. However, if the, however, if the legislature feels they are in the business of social work, why have they not taken a deeper dive into the mental health of our people? The current drug policy is written so that when an applicant takes an initial drug test and comes up positive for marijuana, they are immediately terminated. If legislators keep their social worker hats on, wouldn't a more empathetic approach be to keep the person employed and encourage some kind of rehab? If mental health professionals agree that drug use or abuse stems from a mental health problem, wouldn't keeping these people unemployed exacerbate this mental health problem? Didn't legislators all came campaign on helping the people? In my opinion, the whispering that appears to be going on regarding the elimination of cannabis from the drug list needs to become louder and it needs to result in action. We need to keep our casinos operating at full strength. Times are changing and the nation needs to adapt to that change. Boomers are aging out of jobs and we are suffering from the great resignation. Inflation is on the rise and amid all of this, we need to secure our financial future. Let's cut unnecessary expenses and eliminate random drug tests and enact a policy that addresses accidents with a drug test. Let's stop the whispering and make a loud statement supporting our tomorrows. couple of quick thoughts as uh, I close up shop today. Number one, I'd like uh, everyone to consider a C-SPAN type of programming for the Ho-Chunk Nation. I've championed the idea that our legislature is a part-time position and that all of our meetings and business should be conducted in the evening when everyone can watch and interact online. Obviously, I'm the only one who feels this way because the idea has never been broached by the executive or legislative branches. Okay, so my next idea is for all meetings by our legislature and all meetings by our executive departments to be shown live on a whole chunk nation channel. All these meetings, discussion groups, coffee clutches, water cooler chats, however the legislature titles their business gatherings. All of these meetings must be shown live and recorded so that members of the nation can uh, see our legislature and departments at work. When a meeting is convenient, it will be recorded. And when our legislature goes into executive session, we can mark the time they went into and when they came back out of. With so many of us working during the day or not living near at Black River Falls, I'm sure the legislature, the executive, and all of our departments would be more than happy to show the Ho-Chunk Nation 
how the Ho-Chunk Nation's business is being conducted. Number two, the Ho-Chunk Nation uh, legislature has just made the wearing of masks optional for all of our guests at our casinos. That's pretty cool. I mean, um, they have the option. So if you know, you're a little worried about the COVID, you can still wear the mask, but you don't have to. It's just that all of our Ho-Chunk Nation employees must still wear their masks. I think they still want them to wear the K KN95s, the good ones. Seems strange because Dane County and the UW system ended their current face covering order on March 1st, 2022. Businesses, they can still enforce their own mask policies and federal mask requirements for public transportation still apply. I guess we're erring on the side of caution. Everyone else in the state can decide on their own about wearing masks, just not employees of the Ho-Chunk Nation. Fair enough, I guess. I have a question, though. Does this mean that legislative business will continue to be conducted online? Legislators will continue to work from home? Will area meetings continue to be conducted online? It's been a while since legislative business has been conducted in person. I'm just wondering if the legislators have a timeline when business will be back to normal. Perhaps the decision has already been made and I just missed the announcement. That's entirely possible. It's not like the legislators are continuing the face covering order so they don't have to meet their constituents face to face. That's not it. I'm just sure our legislators are enforcing the face covering mandate and an overabundance of caution for our health.